Welcome, everybody, to day 306 of the One Year Bible. Hope you're hanging in there with us. I'm here with... I'm Leah Bender. And I'm Jesse. Glad you joined us. We have today, we've got some fun stuff. Fun. Yes. Um, we have four chapters in the book of Ezekiel. So we'll start off with Ezekiel chapter three. Um, wondering what y'all are thinking of this and if you're enjoying it. The Old Testament prophets, you never know what messages they're going to be delivering. No, you don't. And what I really appreciate about Ezekiel is how very literal it is and very detailed. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Share your, you had shared kind of your big picture view of Ezekiel. Share what you were telling yeah, me. Yeah. Um, really, when I stepped back and thought about it, I thought it was a really interesting juxtaposition between um, punishment and God's wrath in the Old Testament and how we think about how um, he needed to teach the Hebrews back then how they, how they needed to be and comparing that to the grace that we have now um, in the good news with yeah. the resurrection of our Savior. And so when we think about what, you know, our actions, yeah. we were saved by grace um, and punishment is a little bit less terrifying to think about. Really? Yeah. Yes. So this was kind of interesting. Starting off with chapter three, God is really kind of talking to Ezekiel about, I'm going to give you messages. And if you fail to deliver the messages, I'm going to hold you responsible as well. So it's a little, I think you used the word terrifying <laughs> earlier. It is. Um, and so did you highlight any specific verse in here? Yeah. What I liked, uh, what really stood out to me. So he's describing exactly what Ezekiel needs to do, right? Mm -hmm. And and how he needs to communicate yeah. um, his word. And at the end, it's uh, chapter three, verse 27. Mm -hmm. um, it's all about when it's time for Ezekiel to speak, God will loosen his tongue. Yeah. And what resonated with me about that from kind of a modern day perspective is those times where we might be afraid or don't know the right thing to say mm -hmm. and um, there are those moments where the person who we're talking to gets from us what they need because the Holy Spirit is working in us. And so yeah. our tongues are loosened. We find the right vocabulary, the right thing to say. That's and that's all coming from from God to help kind that's of, good. Uh, I don't know, create that moment. Yeah. So that verse you're referring to says, but when I give you a message, I will loosen your tongue and let you speak. Then you will say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Those who choose to listen will listen, but those who refuse will refuse for they are rebels. So yeah, that's chapter three. It's kind of the setup. And then we go into chapter four and, um, then I had, I remember when my kids were little in school, we talked about mind movies <laughs> and I had a mind movie going on here. Just some really interesting, um, very specific instructions. I'm just trying to imagine if I had to be the one to do this, but um, he's taking a brick and on the brick, he's drawing a map of Jerusalem and then he's building a siege ramp, uh, a wall around it so no one can escape. Set up the enemy camp and surround the city with siege ramps and battering rams. So this is all very specific. And then we... I really wanted to make pancakes this morning. I was going to pull out my griddle. Take an iron griddle and place it between you and the city. So I didn't make pancakes and nor did I bring in my griddle. But um, this is very literal. So then go talk about the tying yourself up. Oh, you were... yes. So then Ezekiel is to tie himself up with rope yeah. and enact the siege. And by doing that, he is, well, what he's doing is lying on his left side 
for 349 years, which is the number, I mean, days, (laughs) days to represent the years that um, Israel's been sinning and then turn over, lie down on his right side tied up for 40 days to represent Judah's years of sin. And and he has very little food to sustain him during that time. Eight you ounces. You want to talk about that? Yeah. I, it made me hungry just thinking about it. But yeah, he gets a little bit of water and a little bit of bread. And so it's just very interesting, very specific. And then, um, then the whole exchange, we didn't talk about this, but then after that, where he's supposed to bake this bread that God has instructed him to make over human dung. And, and this is where he didn't, he didn't take exception with everything else he was supposed to do, but he said, Oh, please, Lord, no, I've never defiled myself. Can I at least use, you know, animal dung? And so God made a concession. He said, okay, yes, you may use. And the whole thing just sounds terrible, but there was this little bit of a concession there made. Yeah. It's interesting because it really brings the idea of being the bearer of bad news, like a new yes, meaning to that. It's true. Yes. Yes. And, um, and I thought what was really cool about that concession that God made was all Ezekiel had to do was ask. Right. And yeah. I think that that's true for all of us. Mm. And sometimes we forget that we get caught up in our own like self-sufficiency that we forget yeah. that. That's good. Yeah. Um, moving into chapter five, it gets, gets a little bit funner. So, I have a prop. I'm going to endeavor. It's actually a little heavy. I have here a sword <laughs> that we actually took down the wall. We This was a prop for Easter. We A while back, we had everybody bring in pieces of metal, and then they used that to forge the sword. Um, it's actually quite heavy and, and sharp. And so I can't even fathom where verse 1 of chapter 5 says, God's telling Ezekiel, son of man, take a sharp sword and use it as a razor to shave your head and beard. (laughs) You are married and I'm married. And I was thinking about the time where my husband will have me help him with some of this with a, an electric razor, you know, which, um, is a step up from just a manual razor even, but there's still times where I'm, I'm nicking him and he's not really happy with me. (laughs) So I I can hardly imagine what kind of results or what the process is if you're using something like this. Um, so that was the start, use the sword. And then it gets, um, fun. He's weighing this hair out into thirds. Right. And he's, I love the precision. Use a scale yes. to weigh the hair into three equal parts. Yep. Yeah. And then he's scattering some um, on his map. He's chopping it with the sword. He's scattering third to the wind. He's, um, what else? He's tying some with the rope. And so very interesting again. Um, and he's burning some. Yes. Because that's what's going to happen to the yes. people, right? Verse four, take some of these hairs out and throw them into the fire, burning them up. A fire will then spread from this remnant and destroy all Israel. So very sobering. Um, The Lord says, this is what, this is an illustration of what will happen to Jerusalem. I placed her at the center of the nations, but she has rebelled against my regulations and decrees and has been even more wicked than the surrounding nations. And I was talking about, you know, you always hear about the Lord talking about surrounding nations and the evil and the idolatry. Um, they didn't know the Lord. And so for him to draw that analogy, it, it makes me cringe. It's, he said, you have behaved worse than your neighbors mm-hmm. and have refused to obey my decrees and regulations. You have not even lived up to the standards of the nations around you. Mm-hmm. So 
Those were very strong words. Yeah. Um, what else did you take well, from that? And in verse nine, he talks about the detestable idols that they're worshiping. And that again, fast forwarded me to present day. And I always, whenever I read scripture about idolatry, I think about what are, what are our modern day idols? Right. Um, things like achievement and yeah. um, work, material things and we talk image. image. Yeah. Yeah. yeah our, our own image. And I yeah. just, so I, I love reading about idolatry in scripture because it's a great grounding. It helps me to remember uh, to kind of like check myself. Mm. Am I idolizing things that I shouldn't be? Those are good thoughts. Um, in verse 13, he says, then at last my anger will be spent and I will be satisfied. And when my fury against them has subsided, all Israel will know that I, the Lord have spoken to them in my jealous anger. So again, it's just, it's hard to read, but um, yeah, God, those things don't go unnoticed. No. Our behavior. Um, we are moving into Hebrews chapter four, which is a little bit um, of a respite from <laughs> Ezekiel. Um, there's a lot here on entering God's rest. Mm -hmm. And what were your observations about rest that you... Yeah, it made me think about a study that we actually did a while back called yeah. Rhythms of Renewal by Rebecca Lyons. And yeah. in it, there's a section where she talks about rest being defined as being in God's presence and spending time with God. And ever since I read that, it, that really resonated with me. And, and that's how I like to think about rest. And the other thing I thought about is that, you know, there's a spiritual and a practical application to rest. And what I believe Hebrews is saying is that rest is not a privilege. It's necessary. Mm. It's not earned, but rather it's required for us. And all God is asking is our, is our belief. Right. That's and, good he's unlocking a way for us to access his presence yeah. by, by our belief. So, yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to read that passage, but I was sharing with you, I found this book on our shelf here at the office. It matches your shirt. It does. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, the author is talking about um, rest and it says, it says in a complicated passage like this, it's better to try to grasp the broad lines of thought. So he said the writer's really using the word rest and he's got, this may be Greek, I think, katapausis. I don't know if I'm saying that right, in three different senses. He said he's using it as we would use the peace of God. It's the greatest thing in the world to enter into the peace of God. He is using it as he used it in chapter three, verse 12 to mean the promised land. And it says to the children of Israel who had wandered so long in the desert, the promised land was indeed the rest of God. And then the third term, he's using it of the rest of God after the sixth day of creation, when all of God's work was completed. So those were interesting thoughts. And I, yeah. there's another note in here. It says from, from this it says, on the seventh day, the day of God's rest, there's no mention of evening at all. It said, from this, the rabbis argued that while the other days came to an end, the day of God's rest had no ending. The rest of God was forever. Mm. So that's an interesting thought to yeah. think about. Um, that kind of blew my mind when we talked about it earlier. Yeah. To think about that's, it is, it's his presence is infinite. Time is infinite. Yeah. Um, we often think about our existence in a really finite context and it's just kind of what our here point of here and yeah. now and, you know, and the time to experience God isn't just 2000 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not just in our own individual relationships, but it is truly 
infinite. And I was yeah. mentioning I'm a futurist. So I really mm -hmm. like to think about like all the possibilities of the universe on and on and on, knowing that, mm. you know, God was there yeah. at, in its creation and he yeah. will be there forever. That's good. Yeah. Um, that there's one more little note that I had made. It was talking about the writers talking about there's a continual tendency in the church to look back, um, sorry, to believe that God's power is grown less and that the golden days lie behind. The writer to the Hebrews sounds forth a trumpet call. Never think, he says, that you've arrived too late in history. Never think that, that the days of great promise and great achievement lie behind. This is still God's today. Mm -hmm. There is a blessedness for you as the great, as great as the blessedness of the saints. There's an, an adventure for you as great as the adventure of the martyrs. God is as great today as he ever was. So I thought that was yes. a little note. To and always will be. On. Yeah. 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 So good. So my, my favorite verse was, did you have a verse from this chapter that was a favorite? I know what mine is, but I didn't ask no, you that you, question. No, you share. Is verse chapter, or yeah, verse chapter four, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged, again, we have sword, Swords. which I thought was interesting. Yes. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. So mm, I love that passage great. about God's word. The very first adjective there is alive. And so that's God's word is distinct from every other book out there. Mm -hmm. And so I, that I think separates, distinguishes itself. So often I think people think, oh, the Bible is boring. It's irrelevant. I fall asleep when I read it. Maybe we just need to change our perspective <laughs> mm -hmm. because this says the word of God is alive and powerful. Mm -hmm. And so um, if you have a need in your life, I mean, God uses his words so often. Um, I had made a note that chapter Psalm chapter 19 does a great job of listing out the benefits of God's word. It talks about um, how his promises bring light to our eyes. They bring joy to our heart. There's a whole list of benefits there. So mm -hmm. I would encourage you, if you're not familiar with that chapter, to go back and read Psalm 19. Um, but if we just look at some of the adjectives that are listed here in this, it says that it's God's word is alive. It's powerful, sharp than the sharpest sword. It cuts, it exposes. So those are mm, all active yes. doing things. Yeah. Um, Psalm 107 20 says he sends forth his word and he heals us. He rescues us from the grave. So he uses his word for healing. He uses his word to restore our souls. Um, he uses it to bring us joy. Mm -hmm. So I guess I would ask you, what is your need? And I would offer to you that it can probably be met in God's word. Mm -hmm. um, I remember a mentor encouraged me with two, two kind of big picture things. We keep using the term big picture today, but she said, um, God's grace is sufficient and God's word is sufficient. And so those for whatever the need may be. Yeah. And so that's definitely stuck with me. Um, so yeah, I would just encourage you. I'm so glad you're reading the one year Bible with us and ingest that memorize it as well. What's that need that you have? Find a verse that applies and just memorize that. And, and when that issue comes up, just speak that verse aloud. Let it, um, just let it meet that need that you have. Yeah, that's so true. And I love that because it's such a good segue to Psalm 104, which is our Psalm. Um, you know, it talks about God's creation and kind of the, the, the creatures that live in the ocean is yeah. really what it's focused on and how, yeah. you know, they depend on him. They breathe because of him, they eat because of him, um, because that's how he intended 
them to be. And when I think of um, that from our human perspective, just it makes me think about the the difference between needs versus wants. Mm. And apart from our true like physical sustenance that are required to keep us yeah. alive, everything else truly is a want, mm-hmm. right? And um, and so when I think about His word and His yeah. grace is sufficient. That that is true. That's, That's really good. true. It's all. It's really all we need. Right. Everything else we want. It's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's really good. Okay. Do you want to take us into the Proverbs? We have one. Oh yeah. Proverbs 26. Yep. Um, yeah. So it's interesting. Actually, I'll pull it up because I want to read it. So if you set a trap for others, you will get caught in, caught in yourself. If you roll a boulder down on others, it will crush you instead. So that's just like practical word to the wise. Don't do right. those things. Right. Um, but I was thinking about how, you know, like, you know, treat people well right. with integrity, with right. grace and know that, you know, oftentimes our punishments are self-inflicted. Uh, we, right. we might not always have the right motives. Right. And, um, and when that happens, we kind of get the, the outcome of that, the consequence right. of it. Yeah. yeah. We covered a lot of ground here today. So much ground. <laughs> <laughs> so I think with that, we will say thank you for joining us and hope we see you tomorrow. Bye, everybody.